At this time, KCICFM invites you to join us for our weekly live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church. Let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to go to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. We're almost done with the book. 2 Peter chapter 3. I've enjoyed the book. What a blessing it has been to be able to go through it. 2 Peter chapter 3. The time we went through it before was back in 95, 96. So it's been a little while. And um, here we are. 2 Peter chapter 3. We are in verses 12 through 17. I, I would love to be able to finish all of this today, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Here we go. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto, unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do the other scriptures unto their own destruction." Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for these folk. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who's come for us, who is the living word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, and I thank you for his working that he does in the world today. And I pray, Father, that he would do a work in this church today, in my heart, in the hearts of everyone that's in the building, and any that may be listening on the radio. And so, Lord, we commit the time to you. Uh, without you, we can do nothing. We pray that you would meet with us today. I pray that you would use the passages that we look at today in a special way in our hearts. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing in grace, that's what the book of Second Peter is all about. We've looked at the like precious faith in back in chapter 1 and his divine power that through the precious promises that give us this ability to partake of the divine nature, in other words, to be Christ-like. And uh, we escape the corruption that's in the world through this, and we have this fruit of Christ-likeness, and it all comes through these, this sure word of prophecy is the instrument that is used to accomplish this. But there's enemies. There's enemies out there that would like to undermine this book and preach their own things. And it talks about those in 2 Peter chapter 2, and that many follow their pernicious ways, 2 Peter 2, 2. And all of that second chapter is about dealing with these people who undermine uh, the, the, the Christ-like nature as they seek to live, if you will, the Christian life in the lust of the flesh, which is, which is wicked. And then we see the other enemy of 
the sure prophecies and Christ-like life, and that is in chapter 3, the scoffers that come mocking and saying, as they do in 2 Peter 3, 4, where's the promise of His coming? And they doubt and they put questions on the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and His coming to judge this world. And so we have been looking at the answer to that in this third chapter, and it says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, um, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the, the answer to the scoffers is the doctrine of the second coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord. And you see that in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief of the night. And so, we are considering, we're looking at the day of the Lord. We've conceded some things that could pertain to that as we looked in verses 10 and 11. And now we picked up in verse 12, and I just, we haven't been, I have not been able to make a lot of progress, um, although we have made progress through the text, but we haven't covered a lot of verses, but we've just kind of settled down and looked at some of these things. I want you to consider with me today a theme that is in these verses 12 through 17. And if you'll look in verse 12, the very first word, looking, then down in verse 13, in the middle of the verse, nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. And then verse 14, wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things. I want to talk to you today about this looking. And uh, if you will, it has the idea of watching towards something. You're, you're, you're anticipating. You're, you're looking off to see it come. And uh, I think I gave a little bit of an illustration uh, maybe about going to Mexico uh, with, 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 that we took recently and, and looking forward to, to, to coming home. I didn't look forward to the trip, but uh, I look forward to coming home. And I enjoyed my time down there. I think the worst that I ever felt it was when we were in Africa. Tim and I went to Africa, and we had been out in the bush, had no shower for a whole week, and we're just living out there, sleeping, you know, out in the rough. And uh, by the last day when we came out, we, were hot, we, we, we trekked out of there, and it just rained on us the whole way. We were totally soaked all the way through. There was nothing left dry. We were completely out of food. And, uh, and we just had to wait. We, we got there, we set up a tents, cup tent, our tents that night, slept wet, and then uh, we got up the next day and we went out to the airstrip to just wait for the plane we hoped would come. Hungry, miserable, tired, and uh, man, we were anticipating. And when we heard the, 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 the buzz of the plane off in the distance, it's like, yes! We get to go get a shower and a good breakfast, and uh, this is going to be a this going to be a good day. Um, this is talking about that kind of look, that that look of anticipation. You're just you're just wore out, tired, and you're you're looking for the Lord to come back. And it repeats it three times in the passage of Scripture here. And I want to talk to you today about this look of anticipation to look with anticipation, and, and some things about it. There are four things in the passage that go with this anticipation look, this, if you will, a life of anticipation. 
One of them is the expectation. We're going to see that in verses 12 and 3, or 12 and 13. And then a life of anticipation is also a life of endeavor. And we'll see that in verse 14 where it says, be diligent. And then next we see in verse 15, the first part, this life emphasis that is, comes into it. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. And or maybe in a week or so, we'll just see how far we get. And then finally, it's a life of exactness as we follow the Word of God. And that is so important to us. So let's take a look at these things. The life of expectation. Take a look with me, if you will, in verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. There's a day here. Later on in verse 13, there's a dwelling. Let's talk about this expectation of these two things, the expectation of a day that is going to come and of a dwelling that we're going to have if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. So the day is a day of desire. That's what it says, looking for and hasting. Hastings kind of an interesting word. We don't use that. I think there's a place out in Nebraska called Hastings. Oh, that's a little different, Hastings, Nebraska. But hasting, what do we, what do we mean by hasting? It means to earnestly desire something. It actually is a word that I think is associated with the word foot. In other words, make some tracks, get her done. Um, go after it, desire it earnestly. When Zacchaeus was up in the tree, uh, Jesus told him to come down, and he used this word, come down quickly or come, come down hurriedly in, in haste. Get it done. Don't dwell in the tree. Um, if a kid has a birthday, they're looking forward to, to that birthday. You know, there's presents and the party and the friends and the cake and, and all of these things, and they're excited about the day if there's been plans made. And uh, that's the idea, this, this earnest desire for the day. That ought to be our heart. We ought to be looking and longing for that day when the Lord comes back and takes us out. There ought not be anything on this world that, that holds us back, but there ought to be a certain longing. It's a day, number two, if you look in verse 12, it's a day of deity. It's interesting to note in verse 12, looking for and hasting this earnest desire unto the coming of the day of God. Now that's interesting because normally it's the day of the Lord in Scripture. Matter of fact, I think like almost 30 times it talks about the day of the Lord in Scripture. It's 29 times. But when it talks about the day of God, only twice and all of the Word of God here and then the other one is in Revelation chapter 16, verse 14. And, of course, it has to do with that day. It says in Revelation 16, 14 this. It says, for they are spirits, talking about the unclean spirits that come out of the mouth of the dragon. And they are unclean spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God. All of the armies of the Antichrist, they're all going to gather together to the battle of the great day of God, and then it puts Almighty. Don't have any questions about how that day is going to come out. Will it be Antichrist or will it be God? No, it's going to be God Almighty who comes out on top of that day. 
It's a day of deity. And he, verse 16, he gathered them together into the place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And if you want to know how this all plays out, the day of God where these, these atheists, if you will, who have pushed him off and want nothing to do with him, when he shows up, it's going to be his day. You want to know how it all plays out? Go to the book of Revelation chapter 19 and verse 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And of course, verse 20 the beast and the false prophet, they're thrown alive into the lake burning with brimstone, the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So it isn't going to go well for the Antichrist. Satan's going to be chained up in verse 2 of chapter 20. And uh, this day of God is going to be a day where he brings in his kingdom, chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. And uh, what a day and then the day continues, if you will, into verse 11. And I saw, of chapter 20, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I mean, God gets the, the earth, this earth and, and, and the sky and all about it are all, they flee away. And it's just man and God. It's the day of God. When we were in college um, and... Uh, philosophy of education, we, one of the things that we looked at was the Humanist Manifesto. And in the Humanist Manifesto, one of the statements that are in there is this. They say, the humanists say, if no deity will save us, we must save ourselves. I got news for them. The day of God is going to come. And they'll know that there's a deity it's a day of destruction. You go back to our text and you look in the book of 2 Peter in verse 12. It says, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. The heavens are going to be destroyed. They're going to be ignited with fire and they're just going to, it's just going to come loose. Talking about the, all of the atmosphere. And I don't know, it could, it could go off into space. I don't know what, the, but, it, but it does refer to the heavens. Whether it's just sky or sky and space, they're all going to come, on, come loose. Like it says in verse 10 of this same chapter, where the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements are going to melt with fervent heat, as it talks about here in verse 12. The first things, that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And all that pertains to the earth are going to melt. Literally, literally, the idea is they're going to liquidate. They're all going to just, with such an extreme heat, fervent heat, and a fervorish burning, they're just all turned to liquid. It doesn't matter what man has put together. It's all going to be gone. It'll all be, it'll all be burnt up. Brother Paul, you remember the other day when, we, when, when you put down that, that um, iron, that steel plate at the threshold of the garage door, that big, it's, it's probably this, a steel plate this wide, and it's, it's an inch thick, and it's, it covers the whole width of the garage door, and we put it there, Brother Paul put it there, and he, and he sealed it all up to keep water from coming in. 
And I think he made a comment, something like, you know, this is going to be here a long time or something like that. It may be steel on concrete. It might be there till the day the Lord comes back, but on this day, it's going to turn to liquid. It's all going to be burned up. All the works that are in. I'm looking forward to that day. It's going to come like it's going to come like a thief. He'll come like a thief in the night. We hear a trumpet and we'll be there in his presence. There's an anticipation, not only or an expectation of a day, but of a dwelling, verse 13. Nevertheless, we, all of that's all of this is going to be burned up, but we, according to his promise, we look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. There's a passage that I was reading uh, this morning, and I just, I want to just run over there and give it to you real quick. It's in Psalm 50, and uh, it's interesting how a lot of these things come up in the Psalms. Psalm 50, here's the encouragement with the day of the Lord before we get to the dwelling. Take a look in Psalm 50, verse 3. Psalm 50, verse 3. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire should devour before him. It should be very tempestuous round about him. And he shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his, righteous, his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Selah, think about that. Our God's going to come, and he's going to judge his people. He's going to call them all together, and we'll stand before him at the judgment seat. Hey, friend, have you made a covenant with him by sacrifice? You know, there's some good news out there. There's a lot of bad news. When you watch the news, did you just kind of give you a sick feeling in your stomach? I, man, I just, I just gets depressing. But you know, there's some good news. The good news is God has sent His promised Son, Jesus Christ, who He promised that He would send. Clear back from t- to the very beginning, back in the Garden of Eden, He promised He would send the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, who would come and deal with the sin problem and, and bruise the serpent's head. And in that person, Jesus Christ, who has come, there is... There is forgiveness of sins. There is a resurrection and eternal life. There is righteousness put on our account. The righteousness of God put on us through Jesus Christ. There is a substitute for sin. There is a promise of a new body. There is eternity in heaven with Him forever. There's going to be no more pain or sorrow And people have to think about it before they put their trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, It's good news. Hey, friend, have you heard about the good news? God's Son has come, and He's paid the price for sin, and people can be saved. Well, back to our text here. There's a dwelling wherein dwells righteousness. This place is is unused. It's brand new is the idea here in 2 Peter 3.13. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. It's a new heaven and a new earth. Brand new, freshly made. Uh, There won't be, I don't think there's going to be a grand mesa. 
or the Rocky Mountains or the Pacific Ocean. Matter of fact, there won't be any more sea. The Bible tells us that. It's going to be a whole new earth, whole new heaven that God will make. Matter of fact, it's foreshadowed in the book of Isaiah. If you take a look in, the, in, in Isaiah chapter 65, it talks about the millennial kingdom, which is a foreshadowing of eternity in heaven. And some of the things that are true of the millennial kingdom, of course, will be, are, will be completely full-orbed in heaven. Isaiah 65, 17 God says, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. God's going to, in the millennial kingdom, after the tribulation period, God's going to make a, really make a new heaven and a new earth, not like he will in the eternity, but it's a foreshadowing what he's going to do. And he won't even remember these days. And all of the politics and all of the war and all of the, 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 the catastrophes, all of that, we won't even think about it anymore. You're going to be glad forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. I mean, there's going to be joy. It says in verse 22 that the days of people are going to be like the days of a tree. And that people are just going to live a long time. Matter of fact, it says back in verse 20, there shall be no more an infant of days. In other words, you're not going to have miscarriage. You're not going to have a child that lives for just a few days. Nor an, nor an old man that hath not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die at a hundred years old. Ah, he was just a hundred. He was just a kid. But sinner, the sinner and a, being a hundred years old should be, a, be accursed. You know why a person dies in the millennial kingdom like a child at a hundred years old? You know why he dies? Because he was a sinner and he, was, he, he faced the death penalty and he died prematurely because of the punishment of the rod of iron. That's why, that's why he dies young. Otherwise, everybody lives along the long ages, probably like before the flood and the time of Adam and, and Methuselah, 969 years old, Methuselah. They're going to build their houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. This is going to be days of peace. Oh, listen, look at this, verse 24. It shall come to pass before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Now, every once in a while, God does this special thing for us when we pray. I mean, before we, I mean, while we're yet speaking, God answers prayer. I remember once, you know, our neighbor was, uh, my wife and, and the neighbor were out at the mailbox, and they were talking about, and the neighbor said, are you going you gonna to go to, um, you're going to go anywhere on vacation this year? And my wife's pulling the mailbox, mail out of the mailbox. She said, well, we've been praying about that, and if, you know, the Lord's going to have to provide some money and such and such, you know, if we're going to do that. And she opens the envelope, and it was a, an insurance check that we had, we didn't even realize and there was the money for the vacation right there. And the, and the neighbor said, well, I guess you're going on vacation. And it's, it's just like this verse of Scripture. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Those are special times. In the millennial kingdom, that's going to be normal. That thousand-year reign. And the wolf and the lamb are going to feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like a bullock. And the dust shall be the serpent's meat. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Wow. That's a picture of what heaven's going to be like. That thousand-year reign of Christ. So let's go back. 
Let's look at the rest of it. Not only is it an unused... Oh, take a look in Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Here's the, here, is, here is the thing in eternity. This isn't the millennial kingdom now. This is eternity. By the way, this book is, a, is an amazing book, right? I just have to do this. It's a history book, right? It's, it's the history book of mankind right here. It starts where, where, where if you're going to do the history of mankind, it's not with evolution. That's baloney, okay? That, that doesn't, doesn't add up. But in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And you go all the way through the book, and you see the drama. I mean, Satan enters in, and there's sin, and then, and then there's this work by God to, to fix the, the, the conflict and the problem of sin. And the climax of the book is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus Christ comes, and even in those books, the climax is the crucifixion and the resurrection. That's, that's like the, you know, if you wanted to read the book and you just get right to the, cut right to the quick, that's where you go, right to, you know, the, the end of the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you read about the crucifixion and the resurrection. I mean, the problem is fixed right there. And then the rest of the Bible is the resolution. And then when you get to the very end of this history book of mankind, it all finishes up in Revelation chapter 19. He comes back and he deals with everything, and Satan is thrown in. Is he's dealt in, in chapter? I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 20. Satan's Satan is judged. It's all taken care of. Lord comes back. Sinners are judged at the end of chapter 20, and then chapter 21 and 22 is a sneak preview of a whole nother book. And here it is. Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And from Genesis 1 to Gen Revelation chapter 20, that is the history of mankind on this earth. And God is so good to give us a peek at what's going to be on in eternity with a new heaven and a new earth. And he describes this city. He describes God being with his people, verses 3 and 4, and, and, and following, he says, I heard a voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be there with God. And I like that song again, I am his and he is mine. Is he yours? Are you, are you his? Have you, have you become one of his children? Has there come a time in your life that you received him and became a son of God? Have you really ever listened to John 3.16, that God loved you so much that he sent his son? And that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life? Have you made that decision? You don't, you just don't, don't grow into that. I mean, you might, you might take time to evaluate everything, but you make a decision for Jesus Christ, and it's a faith decision. Like Paul said in Philippians 3, 9, be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the, right, the righteousness of God by faith. And you make a decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ, and he gives you his righteousness and everlasting life and makes you his child and, and forgives your sin. All of these things come on you when you, and you get the Holy Spirit of God in your life. All of this comes on you when you make that decision of faith to take Christ as your Savior. Have you done it? Well, 
If you have, God's going to be with you. He's going to make all things new, verse 5. It's a beautiful city. I'm not going to take time to go through all of it. All of the precious stones, the people there, the size of the city. You know, the city is a cube, like the, the city itself that, 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 is, that goes with the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. It's a city, you go through the measurements, it's like 1,380 miles long, 1,380 miles wide, and 1,380 miles high. I don't get that dimension. I mean, we have some tall buildings, but not 1,380 miles. It has no need of a sun, verse 23 of chapter 21. The Lamb's the light of it. Oh, I love this part, Revelation 21, 27. There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever works abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You get your name in the Lamb's book of life by putting your trust in Jesus Christ. You see his throne in chapter 22, and out of the throne comes this river of clear as crystal, the water of life, the fruits on both sides. God's in the midst of his people. His servants are serving him. His name is in their foreheads. And they shall reign forever and ever, verse 5 of chapter 22. That's the next, that's the next, the next life, if you will. We had this conversation in, um, in Bible class the other day. Do you have eternal life? Well, of course. We have eternal life right now. Right? I have eternal life right now. So I, when, when it, it's always, see you later, right? If you're a believer, it's see you later, Sharon. Right? And if one of us has a car accident, it's see you later. Because we have eternal life. And it began on the moment, the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior. Well, let's get back to the text here. We're in 2 Peter chapter 3, and we have a place that is unused and undefiled, just like we saw in Revelation 21, 27. Nothing's going to come in that's going to defile this city that he has. We're going to get new bodies made like to his glorious body whereby he's able to subdue all things to himself. We're going to have a body that is like his. In him is no sin. We will not be subject to sin. We will have his character in us. And of course, he's the king of righteousness. He loves righteousness. And his word is the, is the righteous word. And it's the fruits of righteousness that he's working in us right now. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 15, it says this. Revelation 22:15. 15, without, outside of heaven, are dogs and sorcerers, those who do the, the witchcraft and the drugs, and whoremongers, all those who do the sexual immorality, and murderers and idolaters, all those who have a different God, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie, they aren't there. Friend, the problem with mankind is these things are in our nature. We're born sin sinners. By one man, many were made sinners, and we, we, we do these kinds of sin. But in Jesus Christ, He cleanses us from all sin. Positionally, 
We, we have a standing of righteousness before God when we take Christ as our Savior. But also, in a practical sense, God begins to work this matter of sanctifying, cleaning us up and, and setting us apart, so getting us ready, if you will, for heaven. It is a life of expectation. Man, we're looking forward to this place of righteousness, this dwelling, this old world being done, but it's also a life of endeavor. Chapter 3, verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, and I hope you are one of the beloved, that you have the like precious faith, that you've trusted Christ, seeing that you look for such things, you have this expectation, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace. Let's talk about diligence for just a second, and then we'll talk about being found of him, the discovery. The diligence is this. It's, it's an imperative. Be diligent. It's a command. Exert yourself. Endeavor. Make haste. Have earnestness. My stepfather, Joel Corver, he was a man, if there was one word to describe him, it would be endeavor. He was a man of endeavor. Um, he was always working, always working hard. And I can remember one project that he did was up at Canna Creek. And uh, they hired him with his irrigation business. They hired him to put in a pipeline from the reservoir up Canna Creek, up by, on the, at the foot of the mesa, and bring, uh, bring a pipeline. I, don't I think it was like an 8-inch pipeline or 10-inch. I don't remember. But to bring that pipeline from the reservoir all the way down across the, the highway. It's like 10 or 11 miles. And if you know anything about the, 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 the soil up there, it's just full of rocks, big rocks. So he got himself a, D, he, he got himself a D9 cat, and they ripped it and, and plowed a place for this pipeline to go for 10 miles, ripped it, and then they trenched it, and he laid pipeline all the way through. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to do a project like that? You don't wake up in the morning and say, well, I don't know, do I feel like going out there today? No. I mean, that's the thing. That's what you eat, you sleep, you drink. You drink, sleep, and eat Canna Creek Pipeline. Well, he's done a lot of projects. He did a lot of projects like that. He went all over the world and did things. He was a man of endeavor. We're to be people of, that endeavor, that, that get after it, to exert ourselves. By the way, a little study real quick, just a little short one. What does the New Testament say about endeavoring to do? And I'll try and give these to you real quick. Galatians 2.10, Paul says, I endeavor to remember the poor. He says, it's something I get after, I, to, to take care and help with the poor. Number two, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And it describes how to do that in the verses right before, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and then it gives this in verse 3. So we endeavor to be peaceable people, keeping the unity of the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 2.17, Paul says this about his endeavor there. In 1 Thessalonians 2.17, he says, but we, brethren, taking being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavor the more abundantly to see your face. He says, I'm endeavoring to get together with you, to be with you, and endeavoring for the presence of the people of God. That just has something to do with church, coming and meeting with the people and seeing their face. There's an endeavor when it comes to pondering that we, uh, as it says, study to show yourself approved unto God. And that word study means endeavor to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
So our pondering, our studying the word, studying the word of God, we, we endeavor to study this book. We endeavor to remember it, 2 Peter 1.15. We endeavor, we should endeavor, like Paul did, to partner with people in the work. Look at Paul here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. Paul says to, to Timothy, he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Endeavor to get to me quickly. Later on in that same passage in verse 21, he says, Do thy diligence to come before winter. He says, We've got work to do. Come quickly and partner with me in the work. He does the same thing in Titus 3, 2. There's a diligence to be persuaded of the word of God in Hebrews 4. And there's a diligence in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10 where it talks about Christ-likeness. And it says in 2 Peter 1, 10, Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an, an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. In other words, get Christ-likeness in your life. Be diligent for, Christ, diligent for Christ-likeness. Why? 2 Peter chapter 3, back in the passage, verse 14, Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. A discovery. That when Christ comes in and he begins to look, he finds in his scrutiny, he finds us in peace and in purity. When we went through the border, we came out of Mexico. We know we can't bring food back in, different foods. And uh, so, but we knew, I knew we had some things that weren't going to pass. And so when we got to the, finally got to the border and uh, the, um, the, um, folk from the U.S. there, the, the security there at the U.S., um, they said, do you have any fruits and vegetables? I said, we have two apples, and they are back in the cooler. And uh, so, boy, he, they went back there, and they scrutinized and examined. And because we had two apples, and then I was sitting there holding the trailer keys this whole time. I was just holding the, the, the trailer key while he's doing all. And they go back and look, and they find the apples. And then he comes back up, and he's got our passports already. He says, what's that key? I said, that's the trailer key. I knew you'd be asking for it. Here it is. <laughs> I handed him the trailer key, and they went back and tore the trailer all apart. And look, They were scrutinized. They were looking for things. And uh, you know, when the Lord, when we stand before him, we're going to have to give account of the things done in our body, whether it be good or bad. We're all going to have to answer to Him. We're all going to be judged by Him of the things in this book. And there's a couple things we want Him to find, as it says in the passage. We want to be found of Him in peace. Let me talk about these two things, and then I'll quit. We'll save the rest for another day. To be found in peace. You know, the Bible says... Being justified by faith, we have peace with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you do not have peace with God. As a matter of fact, it says in Romans chapter 5 that we are His enemy. The only way you can make peace with your enemy, in this case, God. You may think it's okay with you and God. But if you've not accepted his son, you're an enemy. If you'll accept his son, you'll be found in him in peace. 
He's the way, the truth, the life. Either it's Jesus in peace, but if you don't have Jesus, it's wrath. You're already condemned. You're already judged to be found in him in peace, not just in peace with, with God, but peace also with men. In Hebrews 13, I'm sorry, Hebrews 12, and verse 14, it says, follow peace with all and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, that we might have be people of peace. I love James 3, verses 13 through 18. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. And it goes on to say that the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. That we might be found of him in peace. And number two, we might be found of him in purity. That is, as it says in our text, without spot. The word spot in the Greek is, is spillos. So we get the, the idea of spill. I'm always, you know, worried about my ties that I spill something on them and ruin the tie. And sometimes they can't get stuff out of those. So you trash a tie with a spill, they're all gone. So, you know, when it comes dinner time, it's tie back, right? Um, we don't want to spill some greasy thing on the tie. No spill, no defilement. We might be found of him that way. Free from vice. When he comes, he looks at our life when it comes to the area of morality, we've done right. When it comes to the area of honesty, we tell the truth. When it comes to the area of property, we don't steal. When it comes to the area of relationships, we're kind and peaceable and treat people right. When it comes to the area of submission, we're not rebels. When it comes to the area of vanity and just worthless things, we invest ourselves in those things that count for eternity. And on and on. When it comes to the issue of pride and self, we're humble. He doesn't find anything in us. We're always, we're not just letting things go, but we're dealing with issues. Without spot, he finds us without spot. And can we see the next one? Without rebuke blameless, faultless. This word is only used twice in the, in the, in the Bible. The other place is a, in a passage in Philippians chapter 2. And I remember this passage because my mom, when I was a kid, my mom, my, I think, you know, moms, you know how they are. She made us memorize this verse. Here it is, Philippians 2.14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. You can probably guess where, what was going on that she may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. And that word blameless there is our word. That we, we, we be without rebuke. There's no blame. Why? Because we're not murmuring the secret displeasure. Gugasmas is the word. It's the kind of grumbling and disputing, always questioning and doubting. And, and, but that we would be unmixed. We would be pure. When he comes back, this anticipation, the Lord coming back, we, we, we are expecting that day and a dwelling with righteousness, and we have this endeavor that we would be found of him with no spot, no rebuke, we would be godly before him. Father, thank you for your word. 
I pray you'd use it in our hearts, Lord, that this might be our endeavor, might be our expectation. Lord, as we look forward, we live a life of anticipation. Father, help us with it. God, help us not to become absorbed into the world, or the world into us, but Lord, that we might be in the word of God and the word in us, not the world. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that they would just come to the end of themselves and trust you. Get that taken care of. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live broadcast from Para Park Baptist Church. We pray the service was a blessing to all our listeners. Our earnest prayer is that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10.13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to trust Christ, you must first believe that you're a sinner, deserving of God's judgment, and that Christ died to pay God's penalty for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead then you may right now pray and according to Romans 10:13 call upon God and ask for salvation through Jesus Christ if you've made a decision to trust Christ let us know the number of the offices at Fair Park Baptist Church is 434-4113 someone's generally available to take calls during regular weekday business hours in addition the best means to spiritual help and growth is through faithful attendance at a Bible-believing church. We would encourage you to be at the very next service of Pear Park Baptist Church. Our weekly prayer meeting and Bible study is at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Sunday schools at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday mornings with the worship service at 11 and at 6.30 p.m. the evening service. Pear Park Baptist Church is a fundamental Bible-preaching and Bible-believing church located here in Grand Junction at 3102 E Road. And once again, we appreciate your joining us for this live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church.